The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. Just a quick break to recommend our recent sponsor's Book of the Month. Book of the Month makes reading better by offering members a few new book selections each month to help you cut through the noise, save time, and make it easier to decide what to read next. Each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and picks five to seven of the best new books for you to choose from. All of these books are good, so you really can't go wrong. Book of the Month helps readers like you and I find books that we wouldn't normally discover on our own. The cool part is selections largely focus on new and upcoming authors in multiple genres. Book of the Month also recently launched curated audiobooks, so members can get a hardcover or an audiobook each month, which you can then download and listen to right in the app. This month, I chose A Little Supernatural Fair in Murder Road by New York Times bestselling author Simone St. James, described as the story of a young couple that find themselves haunted by a string of gruesome murders committed along an old deserted road in this terrifying new novel. Just go to bookofthemonth.com to pick your first book and join Book of the Month. That's bookofthemonth.com. And for a limited time, you can join and get that first book for just $9.99 with the code CHIRP. That's C-H-I-R-P. Enjoy. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Rainmaker FM. And welcome back to the Rudder Files. I am still your host, Kelvin Reed. Here to take you on yet another tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of renowned writers. And this week, the associate editor and lexicographer at Merriam-Webster, an acclaimed author of the book Word by Word, The Secret Life of Dictionaries, Corey Stamper paid a visit to talk to me about being a celebrity word nerd, how she manages her time between the dictionary and her own writing, and the pending pencil apocalypse. In addition to writing and editing for the oldest dictionary in the U.S., Corey gained notoriety when she appeared in Merriam-Webster's popular Ask the Editor video series, short video blogs that tackle topics of lexical contempt like irregardless. Her nonfiction debut is titled Word by Word, The Secret Life of Dictionaries, and it cracks open the complex, obsessive world of lexicography, from the agonizing decisions about what to define and how to do it, to the naughty questions of usage in an ever-changing language. Publishers Weekly called it a witty, sly, occasionally profane behind-the-scenes tour aimed at deposing the notion of real and proper English, and the New Yorker called it illuminating and an unlikely page-turner. Corey also blogs about language and defining the words that define us on her own website, and her writing has appeared in The Guardian, New York Times, and Slate.com. In part one of this file, Corey and I discuss how a want ad in a print newspaper led to a writing career, the viral video blog that catapulted her into the spotlight, why your high school English teacher lied to you, how Corey's book will make you feel better about your frustrations with usage and why writing a book is also a full-time job. The Writer Files is brought to you by the all-new Studio Press Sites, a turnkey solution that combines the ease of an all-in-one website builder 
with the flexible power of WordPress. It's perfect for authors, bloggers, podcasters, and affiliate marketers, as well as those selling physical products, digital downloads, and membership programs. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, see for yourself why over 200,000 website owners trust StudioPress. Go to rainmaker.fm slash studiopress now. That's rainmaker.fm slash studiopress. And if you're a fan of the writer files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. All right, we are back with a very special guest on the Writer Files today, uh, lexicographer and author of Word by Word, The Secret Life of Dictionaries, which I'm very excited to talk about. Corey Stamper is here today, uh, an associate editor at Merriam-Webster, and uh, thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, I'm excited excited to talk about kind of everything you do, your process, um, your uh, your job, your day job at least, um, and and your writing. So I don't know where to start, but maybe for listeners who aren't familiar with your journey and kind of how you became a celebrity lexicographer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who In just as got far back. as anything like that exists, yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you just got back from a uh, whirlwind book tour. I'm sure you're exhausted. Uh, uh, I am a little tired, but that's okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Great. And I understand you just got back to work, so um, we can talk about all this stuff. Um, but yeah, take us back a little bit, because I understand you started um, working at Merriam-Webster in like 1998. And I did. Yeah, so that's like 20 years in the making, and this fantastic book um, kind of takes you back through a lot of the kind of the um, painful and funny and, and awesomeness that is lexicography. Yeah, I, I started in 1998 after I had finished a college degree in medieval studies, super, you know, useful degree. Um, <laughs> right. I initially went to college to be a doctor, and then, like many people who think they're going to be doctors, organic chemistry uh, weeded me out of that pool. Yeah. So I started taking classes on basically dead languages. I just started collecting dead languages. And as I took these classes through my degree, I just found that the sort of all of these classes gave you uh, life history of the English language. And that was so fascinating to me. And, um, and I happened to, I mean, I became a lexicographer by happenstance, really. I, uh, answered a want ad in the paper. That's how long ago <laughs> it was. It was a printed want ad in a print newspaper. Wow. Um, and <laughs> I was hired to be an editorial assistant, which at Merriam-Webster means you start defining words right away. So, um, and as soon as I got in, I mean, the work is just brain twisting, but I am really well suited for it. So I just sort of dug in and started doing defining. I define general terms. Uh, so I don't do science vocabulary or specialty terms, but I, you know, I'm the person who defines things like chair or green or uh, obstreperous. Those are sorts of the words I handle. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and as I've, as we've gone along in lexicographers are very introverted, quiet people. We really love being alone <laughs> and we really love 
not having many people interact with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I, you know, one of the things that we have to do is we have to answer uh, people's emails. They have questions about the English language. So I started doing that. And the more I talk to people about language, the more excited I get about talking to people about language. Yeah. So as things went on, we started doing more uh, features on the website that were specifically about sharing information about language. And the, the one that sort of rocketed me to internet fame in so <laughs> again, insofar as you can be internet famous for being a nerd, um, yeah. was we, we did a video series and I did a video on the plurals of the word octopus and why <laughs> we have so many plurals of the word octopus. And that went viral. And that kind of started this whole ball ro- rolling in terms of talking about and writing about lexicography. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, that ask the editor, uh, video series, um, which is also available on YouTube, I believe, but I'll link to it. And, um, there's some really fun, fun entries in there, but your, your irregardless, um, edition is pretty, pretty funny. (laughs) And you write about that too. So what's cool about the the book word by word, um, is that it kind of traces your, your origins and, and, and also kind of how lexicographers look at, um, the language and it's amazing uh at you know i mean just the fact that my high school english teacher lied to me <laughs> is so distressing <laughs> but not maliciously they didn't no. lie maliciously right uh, I, that's one of the things about doing this job that um and was really one of the catalysts for writing the book is that we all have these assumptions about what english is and most of them come from, you know, education. We, if you survived the American educational system, <laughs> then you likely know things like you shouldn't end a sentence with a preposition or you shouldn't split infinitives or don't use the words ain't and irregardless. And those are sort of good, good general tools to help people learn a certain type of writing. Yeah. But people think that that's what language is then. And the more you do this job, the more you discover that's actually not at all what language is. (laughs) It's it's not, English isn't like that at all. Um. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So I, yes, it is true in the book. I do say that your high school English teacher lied to you, but it's really because there's, you know, most people don't realize that these things like the terminal preposition rule or the split infinitive rule actually are synthetic they're not native to the way that english actually works yeah yeah 
Um, well, it's a fantastic book uh, that cracks open the complex, obsessive world of lexicography. Um, it's some really great, great write-ups, a witty sly, occasionally profane behind-the-scenes tour. <laughs> Uh, Publishers Weekly found it profane, occasionally profane. Uh, it but, is occasionally profane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, Truth it's, in advertising. <laughs> it's great. It's it's kind of a page turner. It's one that I'll I'll keep around, you know, just kind of forever and crack open. And and I'm I'm laughing even just glancing at the acknowledgments, laughing because um, <laughs> I don't I don't few, few writers probably could do that. Uh, so when did you decide that you were going to write this this uh, fantastic book? Was it after the the um, video series kind of put you in a spotlight. I mean, you were doing the blog before that, weren't you? Before the video series or were those kind of. I was doing the blog before the video series started. Um, I really decided to write the book. Uh, part of it was the video series did sort of force a bunch of us into the spotlight, but a lot of it was starting the blog and seeing people so interested and so engaged with what I was, <laughs> what I was writing about. Um, and I think especially the way that the questions would work is I'd, I'd say something on my blog about defining and someone would ask a question like, you know, Oh, I, I, or they'd say something like, I love your dictionary. Uh, I got it when I was in high school and, and then they'll quote a definition and it's clear from the definition they quote, it's not our dictionary. So then I talk about, well, it's not, there's not one dictionary. There's lots of dictionaries. <laughs> and, and as this, I mean, it really came about because I was having a conversation with people already on my blog about what I was doing. And I thought, you know, there's so much about the English language that you learn from doing this job. And I feel like in some ways, the you know, I tell people that the book is a love letter to English, which mm-hmm. is true because I think a lot of people um, just get really frustrated with the language because it doesn't seem to make sense to them on the surface. Yeah. And I really wanted to write kind of a book to talk that talks about what is the logic behind that, and also what do dictionaries do, and so really, it, that the blog really is what started this idea of you know I could. I could write a book that, <laughs> that talks about this and people seem to be interested and people seem to really respond to the ways that I'm describing things or the things I'm telling them about English. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. I mean, probably not every lexicographer is a great writer, I would imagine. Um, no, I, you know, oddly enough, we do have, uh, we do tend to turn out writers, mm-hmm. uh, which is not surprising. You spend all day with words. So there you go. Um, I have colleagues who are fabulous writers, some of whom are published and some of whom aren't, but, but I also have lots of colleagues for whom the, uh, the idea of writing or talking about their job at all just seems boring. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, why would you do that? I do it day in and day out. I don't want to talk about it any more than I have to. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, well, the book does make me feel better about my own confusion. Uh, even a guy with an English degree, I've, I've always told people that I still don't, I'm not a good speaker of the language or a writer of the language. Um, and, uh, and it makes me feel better. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> um, well, I'll point at the blog and, and uh, all the great stuff. You, you did a great uh, uh, interview on Fresh Air 
that I found uh, also enlightening. So you're back to work adding more words to the dictionary. So uh, is it kind of a shock to the system now that you're back back there? Or does it feel good? Um, it, well, sorting through um, the thousands of emails that have accumulated over <laughs> a few months is a bit of a shock to the system. But it, it does feel really good to be back back in it, to be yeah. back in. I mean, this is this is work I'm really well suited to. It's work that clearly I, I love. So it is kind of nice to sit down and, and like, okay, I know this, like yeah. I can tell you whatever you need to know about the entire letter J. Like I can do that. <laughs> we can, I can spend time in J and that feels good. Wow. Wow. Cool. Okay. So let's talk about productivity. Um, okay. now that you are going back to work and mm-hmm. I understand that you are also working on a second book. Is that true? I am. That cool. is true. Can you say what it's about or uh, very generally, it is about color and uh, defining color, but it also ends up being about uh, war and perception and gender and uh, nervous breakdowns. So there you go. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. So it sounds like word nerds, history nerds and designers are all going to like that one. I hope so. (laughs) That's the goal. That's the goal. Cool, cool. So how do you juggle it all? Now that you're back at your desk, um, how are you finding time to do all the stuff? Like how much time? I mean, we could break it up into like how do you, you know, do the dictionary stuff? How do you do the writing? But, you know, like just take us through like an average day when you're actually trying to, to do all the things or do you just write on the weekends? I actually find for myself that it's a lot easier to, uh, split things up. So if I'm, if I'm, I am back at work, I'm working full time. It's a lot easier for me to say, okay, Mondays through Wednesdays, I'm going to work long days and I'm going to do dictionary work Thursday. I'm taking a day off to do writing on the book Friday. I'm back at work Saturday. I'm writing again with the first book. What I actually did was I did sort of this weird amalgamation where I would uh, do the defining work. I do my Merriam-Webster work in the morning, and then I would write in the afternoons and evenings. And then I would also take, I had a whole bunch of vacation time banked. And so I took vacation time to really write big chunks. Mm -hmm. And I found that because of the nature of my job, which is to sit all day in words, it was actually really difficult to transition from doing my day job to writing the book. Hmm. I found it was much easier for me to sort of try and compartmentalize them because the transition just took me too long. I could make the transition, but because you're, it was the same type of work because it's still word based. It's still very much sort of in the trenches going literally word by word. It was, it was too hard for me to maintain that for, you know, a full-time job and to write a book essentially full-time. Cause I think that's one of the things that surprised me was, you know, Oh, writing a book is also a full-time job. It's not just, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is how naive I was like, ah, I can yeah. do this on Saturdays. Well, yeah, I can. And also Sundays and also every night of the week. <laughs> so right now what I'm, tr- what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try and compartmentalize as much as I can Um, of course the type of, the type of book I'm writing 
this current book I'm writing, I also have to do a little bit of, of word nerd research. So there are times when I'm working at Merriam-Webster and I run into something either in our archives or I have an idea and I have to sort of, I have a file open on my computer all the time that is just, um, (laughs) I mean, it's basically my memo pad, like check this file for this or, uh, Oh, remember to talk about this particular thing, or you should call this person and ask them if they know anything about this. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it sounds like you've got a pretty, pretty good system in place. Um, are you some, do, do lexicographers in general, like prefer silence, um, to work or do you like to put on headphones or I, you know, I think it depends on the project. Um, I'm a person who, when I'm actually writing definitions, I actually prefer silence Mm -hmm. because I need to, I prefer silence and I actually (laughs) will often mumble to myself because I need to talk my way through a definition. Now, if I'm doing something like I'm copy editing, or if I'm doing something at work, like proofreading, then I put headphones on and I'll listen to music. And, I, and it really varies from lexicographer to lexicographer. I know sure. a couple of my colleagues will listen to music, certain kinds of music only when they're defining and other kinds of music when they're copy editing hmm. or writing web content. Or So it really varies. But in general, we try to keep the office as quiet as possible because there are some people who just need complete silence for all of the tasks that they do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, million dollar question. Do you believe in writer's block? Is it a thing? Oh, (laughs) what do you mean by writer's block? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I certainly hit, I like to call it the wall. Like Mm. I hit the wall a few times while writing word by word where I would sit down and, and, I just couldn't, I knew there was something to write. You know, you kind of feel it like eh, it's somewhere in the midbrain to the back of the brain. And your job <laughs> is to yank it forward and make it come out of your fingertips onto the keyboard or right. like put it on paper. Um, and I often felt like it wasn't necessarily a block. It wasn't that I sat down and so I don't know what I'm going to write. I don't know what I'm going to do. Because I, I knew there was some idea, there was some compelling reason for me to sit down and write. And it wasn't just, I, ha- I have a book that's due. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> right. just that. Um, but at the same time, I totally believe that there are times when you sit down to write and what you th- think you need to write is not what you end up writing. I mean, I mm-hmm. have... Um, again, another file on my computer. Someday I'm going to get hacked and the hacker is going to be endlessly entertained because I have a (laughs) file on my computer that's called starts. And it's just, I mean, most of it is in those days when I could not order anything in my brain, Mm -hmm. nothing was coming forward. I could barely put sentences together. I would open up this file and just start typing whatever was on my mind or was in my brain. And so lots of these paragraphs begin with, I'm supposed to be writing about the word irregardless. And (laughs) instead I, I can't like, I can barely spell the word irregardless today and I want more coffee and I'm tired. And so it was almost more like journaling my way out of writer's block. Yeah, Um, totally. 
So, so I think, yeah, I don't like calling it writer's block because that sort of implies there's nothing coming. There's always, I think if you're a writer, you're always going to be able to sit down and write something. Maybe it's going to be crap and maybe it's not going to be what you need to be writing. But I, I'm a firm believer in you just show up and you start writing and eventually you get there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Uh, PC or Mac user? I am a PC user and I feel moderately guilty for that because (laughs) most of my friends are Mac users and I have married into a Mac family. So, um, but I, I use a PC. I started using a PC because that's what we use at work and Mm -hmm. it's just kind of stuck. You haven't joined the cult yet. I have not yet joined the cult. No, I know that, you know, I am literally the only person in my house that doesn't <laughs> use a Mac and, and I am often made fun of for I, it. I so, see, I see. so I sit in PC shame is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, don't fret. There are many, many PC users in the, in the writing community. Um, <laughs> are you a Microsoft Word uh, writer or a Scrivener writer? Uh, I write in Word. Uh, I write in Word uh, maybe hesitantly or regretfully. Um, I What I tend to do is I will, because Word doesn't like big documents and it doesn't seem mm-hmm. to, you know, I think everyone knows that. So I write chapters in Word. Uh, it's easier for me to do it than in Scribner just because I can... Um, because it's, again, it's something that I know really well. It's a program everyone, you know, I've used Word, I think, since Windows 95. That's mm-hmm. how far back I've used Word. Um, it has its limitations. And one of these days, I will just, you know, take a weekend and familiarize myself with Scribner. Because I know lots of writers who love Scribner. And and I think it would probably be a better tool in some ways for what I do than mm-hmm. Word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that often. Um, that shift, but that shift I, I, I hear is pretty easy uh, once you kind of commit yeah. to it. I've heard people say that too, which mm-hmm. is why I feel guilty that I have not. Have you noticed a theme here? <laughs> My tools. I just feel guilty for whatever tools I have. Oh, don't, don't. Um, <laughs> So many great writers just, you know, they get, they use what works, I think. And, uh, there is that kind of technology, you know, that desire to embrace the new technology. But I think Kevin Kelly said it best when he said he only adopts a new technology, like a new app or service or whatever, like five minutes before he needs it. (laughs) Right. Yeah, absolutely. You use what works. Absolutely true. I, <laughs> I, I do want to note though, that I also still write out some stuff longhand. Yeah. I just, I really love longhand writing. It's not as fast as typing obviously, but if there's something that I really am working through and really need to workshop, I'll write it out longhand. It's easier for me to make changes and see the whole structure. Sure. Sure. Thanks so much for joining us for this half of a tour of the writer's process. If you enjoy the writer files, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. And for more episodes or just to leave a comment or a question, you can always drop by writerfiles.fm and chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. (laughs) 